0: hey i'm jim richards i want to welcome you to this week's cyber church outreach and ministry you know something we provide these services and i'm so thankful that we've been doing this for so many years because so many people now are stuck at home they're not able to go to church and we're able to provide resources that will encourage and build people up but you know the great thing is we have been doing this for over a decade and all over the world, in countries where missionaries can't go, in places where you can't even legally preach the gospel, we are getting in through the internet. And I just want you to know that right now you are going to church with people all over the world because people take this broadcast, they use this Cyber church broadcast as a way to have what we call iGroups. groups are... Where people meet in homes or other places, and even churches and other you know groups use this, but people meet, they go through these weekly uh, teaching programs with a group of people, and then at the end of it, they discuss it, they minister to each other, they find ways to use this material, they make decisions about how they're gonna put it into practice. So you know something, I just appreciate so very much that you're a part of this, I appreciate that you're here with us. We're talking about the mysteries of the New Covenant. And and I'll tell you, uh, more and more and more, it is so important, by the way, I'll be looking down every now and then because Uh, I'm doing this at home. We're not, you know, in order to do social distancing, I'm not having my team come in. I'm doing this right out of my study right here at home. So every now and then you'll see that I I look down or I look away or something. I hope that doesn't distract you too much. But I want you to understand something. Remember, and if you haven't followed me through this, you might be a little bit confused about the whole concept of a mystery. A mystery, Uh, is something that people come into and in a certain sense they come into an initiation well our initiation is that is that we get born again that's where that's our first initiation into the mysteries of God and I'll tell you when you start looking through the scriptures at the concept of a mystery you start discovering that that everything about the kingdom everything about everything about our walk with God is in fact a mystery and in a mystery you have an initiation that brings you into something and, and of course there are there are promises made, there are goals that are provided about that mystery. And um, and you know, in the in the gospels you can learn all kinds of information about what's coming next and where you can go and what can happen with your life. But the real truth is on a truly experiential level, you can't really experience what's next for you until you experience in your heart what God is speaking to you now and that's one that's one of the characteristics of a mystery is that is that you're always stepping into new aspects of of the reality now keep in mind the occult and, and and secret societies and and even the Antichrist himself that whole process is a mystery the mystery of iniquity and the difference is you're lied to about what the end result is going to be and so you come into an an initiation and, and and you're given some information that doesn't seem too bizarre doesn't seem too crazy but once you buy into it and you kind of accept that and kind of master that information then you're taken to the next level and then to the next level and then to the next level but you only proceed to the degree that you have accepted and incorporated whatever it is you have been told at this level. Now, in the occult and in the world of of Luciferian lies and Luciferian doctrine, at some point, once you've become sufficiently brainwashed, at some point down the road, you find out what the true agenda is. And you find out that it was not really exactly what you were promised up front. Well, it's not that way. And the mystery of the kingdom and the mystery of the kingdom God says this is what I am offering you and you know if you want this then come and walk with me and I will take you on a journey where you come into this. Now legally it all becomes ours right off that when we're born again all that God has for us becomes ours. But the mystery is the journey. Even though God maps out the journey, you can go read the Bible, you can find exactly what the journey entails. But because of the fact that we all come from different places in life, even though we're we're going to all deal with truth, uh, the same truth, We're going to be at different places and what truth we need to get working in our life today may be different than what somebody else needs because we've got to come out of our past in order to step into uh, the truth that gets us whole and gets us ready to take the next step. So uh, all of our life, we will be taking steps into new experiential knowledge of what God has given us in the Lord Jesus so so you know something this is this is what impact ministries is all about we make disciples we provide you with with practical uh, wisdom and wisdom is the practical application truth we provide you with the truth that you can put into practice and you and we help you understand how you can take that and incorporate that into your life and develop that into your heart's beliefs so that you can just keep like and Improving the quality of your life, experiencing a greater quality of life. Now, and this thing about the new covenant, uh, there are many mysteries. Of the new covenant. There are many things about this that that at first glance maybe seem really obvious, but then as we're walking them out, we begin to see subtleties about how we incorporate these things into our lives. Now, one of the things, and by the way, let me say this: every mystery of God is laid open, it is not hidden from us. The only thing that hides the mysteries of God from us is the fact that we usually have an opinion or a belief that we have embraced and we are so invested in it that, uh, that we will hold on to our opinion and resist surrendering our opinions. We resist surrendering our beliefs to God. This is why the Bible teaches us about humility. Now, humility is not walking around with your head down. It's not walking around all beaten down and defeated. Humility is is the confidence that that it takes to be able to surrender our will, our opinion, our beliefs to, to God and be disciples who are taught of the Lord, who can leave our past behind, who can leave our past beliefs behind, who can leave our past issues behind and walk out of them the, the way that God teaches us to, but also walk into this new quality of life. Now, one of the you know, things that, that we hear people talk about, and this is one of these concepts that is kind of a paradox. Because, you know, there, there are all of these great things that we have in God, but all that we have in God, we have in him and by him because of the fact that we are in Jesus. Now, you know, I first began teaching about our identity in Christ back in the early 70s, and I'll tell you, it, it, has, been a, it has been a journey for me to continually uh, really get a better understanding of what that really means in real life because because honestly, uh, for so many years, most of the people that I would hear teach about identity in Christ, number one, it was more of just a positional thing. It, had, it didn't really have much to do with operating faith. It didn't really have much to do with how we live our lives. It was just a technical, uh, positional, l- legal thing that said, okay, I, I'm in Christ. Well, the truth is, remember everything that we're going to experience with God that is already freely given. We only experience it to the degree that that we believe it in our heart, that we believe it's a fact, and really we not only believe it's a fact that, we, but we begin to build our life around that fact, and we begin to uh, uh, bring that into how we operate our faith walk with God. So, so we're in Jesus, but that's more than a technicality. That becomes part of, part of a major basis of our faith. Now, when we begin to think about the fact that, that we are in Christ, then suddenly these in him scriptures and I can remember, you know, back in the 70s, I began to, I, I went through my Bible and I highlighted all the identity scriptures. And this, You know, I had I, every Bible I ever had, I color-coded it. And so I had a color code for for identity scriptures. And that was any scripture that would say, you know, that we use the concept of being in Christ or through Christ or by Him. And so everything that had to do with the fact that when I got born again, I got baptized literally into the body of Christ, then I wanted every every sense of who I was to emerge out of the fact that I was in Jesus. It was amazing. I, I say this all the time. It sounds pretty insulting. I don't really mean for it to sound insulting, but the truth is, we kind of almost have a Christless Christianity in the 21st century because we talk about Jesus all the time. But the real truth is, very rarely do I really hear people talk about their journey with God in a way that puts Jesus as the center focus and the basis for for why we can trust God, the basis for what God has for us. And so one of these places is in the New Covenant. Now, you discovered last week, I think it was, that uh, that God made a covenant of peace with the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we actually enter into that covenant because we are literally baptized into Him. Now the word baptized. It, it, it always has mean to immerse and to cover over. So I, I don't want to argue with people about how you got baptized or whether it's valid or not, because the real, the most important thing is what you believe in your heart. But at the same time, if we were baptized into the body of Christ, then, then I mean, it's literally like going into him and uh, and. and when God looks at us, he sees Jesus because we are in him. Now, that is so hard to wrap your head around. That's another one of those mysteries. I'm in him. I have personal responsibilities. You know, my morality, my ethics, all those kinds of things have the ability to affect the quality of my life they have the ability to affect my faith. But the reality of it is the promises of God and what's given to me are based on my faith in the fact uh, that Jesus obtain these things through his death, burial, and resurrection. My deliverance from all the curses of the law is based on the fact that Jesus suffered all those curses and all those consequences, and I'm in him, therefore I can't you know I can't suffer him again. But all of that comes together under the concept of a covenant. Now I hear people often talking about their covenant with God. I am in covenant with God. Well that's really not how it works. I mean, it sort of does but the truth is, the covenant that we are involved with with God is the covenant that God made with Jesus. You know, in uh, in Isaiah fifty two, it goes it goes into the fact that the main reason people hate God and and blaspheme God, turn their heart on, against God, is because of of the misinformation is given to them by their leaders and because of that misinformation they they succumb to uh, 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 being oppressed and and being dominated and being controlled And so then Isaiah 53 goes into, you know, what God has done about that for us and how that Jesus became our sin. He suffered all that we should suffer. He paid the full price and that he died. And of course he was raised from the dead and, he, and, and through being raised from the dead, he conquered our sin and, and he left all of the sin, and all the consequences of sin in the grave. And so when we come to Jesus to get born again, and it it just amazes me that this is totally left out of of people sharing the gospel, uh, we're supposed to believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and as such, then he is our Lord. Well, you know, you don't really hear much about lordship, you don't hear much about believing in the heart, and you don't really hear much about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus having anything to do with our salvation uh or you might just hear it glossed over and in, in vague references but but when you believe something in your heart one of the things that happens is you so identify with it that for example if i if i believe in my heart now if if in my mind i have intellectual knowledge of the fact that jesus was raised from the dead that is just information that doesn't bring any transformation into my life it's it can if I'll meditate on it and if I will influence my heart with it. But see, when you believe something in your heart, uh, it, it alters your sense of identity. So, so when I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, I become so one with that that I, I can't separate Jesus being raised from the dead with me being raised from the dead. In other words, my you know when I believe in my heart that Jesus conquered my sin. That I have this sense that I've conquered sin. When I have this sense that Jesus has eternal life, I have the sense that I have eternal life. It's all about. It's really all about identity that comes when you when you believe something in your heart. So that's why the Bible tells us that we are seated with Him. In heavenly places uh, so so if, if I believe that Jesus is seated with God in heavenly places I believe that in my heart and the truth is I see myself as seated with God in heavenly places if I see that Jesus is accepted uh, by the Father I see that I am accepted in the beloved I am accepted right along with him so we have to understand something God made the new covenant which is called the covenant of peace he made that covenant with jesus he did not make that covenant with us as individuals now if god if god made individual covenants with people uh, then then the first and foremost the covenant would not be sure because then your personal failures would violate the terms of the covenant And I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand before God on my personal successes or my personal failures because I know where that would leave me. Instead, Jesus fulfilled all the righteous requirements of the law. He was tempted in every way just like we are, yet he did not succumb to sin. He obeyed to the last drop of his blood was shed on the cross, And, and then when he died, and took on the consequences that we would have had to have taken and alienated from God, he believed God. He never gave up his faith, and he was raised up in righteousness by his own faith in God. I won't have to go through that struggle when I die. You won't have to go through that struggle when you die if you have made Jesus Lord. If you believe in your heart and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're already living resurrected life. You You, will just, you, you just go from here to the presence of the Lord. And Isaiah 54, so we got Isaiah 52, talks about, you know, why people hate God. And, 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 and Isaiah 53 talks about how God solved the problem through what Jesus did on the cross. But then Isaiah 54 goes into the covenant that God made as the result of what Jesus did on the cross. Isaiah 54, verse 7, it says, For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. With a little wrath, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Now, who is he talking to here? He's not talking to us. He's talking to Jesus. Because on the cross, he poured out all of his wrath for all the sins of the world. Now, this is why the Apostle Paul says that, that, In Jesus, we have been delivered from the wrath of God. We never have to be afraid of God pouring wrath on us because if we are in Jesus for God to pour wrath on us, He would have to pour wrath on Jesus. And then he goes on and he says, For this is like the waters of Noah to me, for as I have sworn that, that, the, uh, that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so I have sworn that I would, know, I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. So you say, now listen, you know, I poured out my wrath on the world in Noah, and, and you know, I wish I had time to go into that because because this was really we misunderstand wrath. Wrath is usually the action that God has to take as the only means possible to save the innocent. It's, it's really not about just the fact that He, it's not Him just wanting to kill people and wanting to wipe people out. And because the bloodline of the Messiah was on the verge of actually being totally eliminated from planet Earth. The only way God could uh, protect the bloodline and make sure that Jesus could come was if he wiped out uh, the, the whole corrupt world that had been corrupted by, uh, by the not only just the wickedness but also by the Nephilim, the, the, uh, the, the interbreeding between uh, women and fallen angels and, and a lot of people just don't believe that happened well I'm, I'm sorry it's just it's just it's just in the bible but but god compares what happened to jesus on the cross to what happened no one he said look i swore to noah that i would never i would never destroy the earth by water again that's amazing we Trust that promise. We trust that covenant that God made with Noah. God put a rainbow in the sky, but and you know, and the rainbow came about. I'm sure as you know, because this this the, the earth so changed. There'd never been a rainbow before because everything about planet Earth shifted and changed. Now it's amazing though. We believe in a covenant that God made with Noah that He sealed with a rainbow. But in Jesus, He made a covenant about being delivered from wrath that was sealed with the blood of Jesus, and He established a covenant of peace that says, "You, I, you know, I will never do this again." In other words, Jesus can't be crucified twice. This can't, this can't happen twice, and so. Just like the ark was to Noah and his family, Jesus himself is our ark. And as long as we are in that ark, we are saved from wrath. We're saved from anything that's that's gonna happen out here in the world. Now, I can't go into all the things about this that I wanna go into. By the way, let me just say this. If you are interested in going much, much deeper and understanding the covenant of peace and understand the dynamics of the covenant of peace and how to put this to practice in your life, man, you can go right now and you can uh, download the series, The Mysteries of the New Covenant, and you will get about uh, between six and eight hours of of very in-depth teaching. And you know we provide that because there's some people, number one, that just want to invest in themselves more than they can through these cyber church programs. And um, uh, so, you know, dive in if that's what you want to do. But also, uh, we use resources from that to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So, so be sure and check that out. So now, in, in, in the New Covenant, it's really interesting because the whole concept of a New Covenant is somewhat linked to the idea of a, of a testament or last will in testament. And so a last will and testament is something that goes into effect whenever a person dies. And, uh, and so Jesus had a last will and testament. Now, what Jesus did is he received an inheritance that he shares with us. And his, his covenant, his last will and testament, to the world is that I will share with you this inheritance that I have received from God. Ephesians one sixteen. You know, Paul. Uh, everybody almost knows this this uh, the scriptural passage where Paul talks about his. his him praying for these believers in verse seventeen, he says, "I pray that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory." Now, man, we could spend a lot of time on this word "glory" because this word "glory" is the word "doxa," where it gets into a where it gets into God's version of reality. See, we have a version of reality that's based on our our finite mind, our carnal thinking, our you know our own personal logic. But God says, well, "Wait a minute, I got a glory that's greater than that." And the only way you can even perceive what I have for you is when you get born again and now your heart gains the capacity for understanding. And the Bible tells us in John the third chapter that when we are born again, we gain the capacity to perceive the kingdom of God, which is a realm that we can enter into where we experience God's resources. Now, keep in mind, getting born again does not It legally gives you everything, but it does not mean you have entered into and are experiencing everything because that's all about what you do in your heart based on uh, what we have through the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, but I'm praying uh, that... Paul says that God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give to you the spirit of wisdom. And by the way, wisdom always gets into practical application. And revelation, and revelation is not something weird that God just shows you that's not in the Bible. He's talking about what God has revealed in the word of God. And he says, in the knowledge of him. In other words, there is a revelation. There's a way that changes how you read the Bible, how you understand the scriptures, how you interpret the scripture, and it is through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus was the exact representation. Every scripture, Old Testament, anywhere in the New Testament, has to be evaluated. Our understanding of how we interpret it, how to apply it, has to be evaluated in a lot of the life, the teaching, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And until we interpret it based on the knowledge of jesus then then the real truth is we're, we're, we're off base well this word for knowledge by the way is an experiential knowledge this is a revelation that's it's not just getting more information it's a revelation that comes from experiencing something and he says i pray that the that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. That word understanding uh, r- relates to the heart. It, 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 it re- in fact, it could have been translated the heart. Usually the word understanding in many places in both Old and New Testament is actually just the word for the heart. So that the eyes of your heart being enlightened that you may know. This is really important. I'm going to cover this real quickly. The first is you might know what is the hope of his calling. You notice it didn't say what is the hope of your calling. God has given Jesus a calling, and that calling that God has given Jesus is something that we share in because we are in him. And he says, and also, I want you to know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance. He didn't say of your inheritance, because why? Because God gave Jesus an inheritance that he shares with us through a process that the Bible calls fellowship or communion. or In the Greek, it's the koinonia. We, we share in this inheritance to the degree that we fully wrap ourselves around Jesus, that we become one with him. We align our sense of identity. We align our sense of what we have in God with what he has obtained through his death, burial, and resurrection. And then he says, and also, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards who believe? And he goes on to explain that that is the power that God used when he raised Jesus from the dead. So, so the power that works in us is, the, is resurrection power. We share in that if we are wrapping our lives around and we sense ourselves as being one with the resurrected Lord. Now, when it comes to this inheritance that we have, this last will and testament, as you know, Jesus did all that was required to receive the inheritance. So we're not out here trying to do something to get the inheritance. Our one qualification according to the book of Colossians the first chapter I think about the 12th verse is that, that that we are qualified for the inheritance of the kingdom of light because we are in Jesus. So my question is when you're you know when you are seeking to take hold of the promises of God What is your faith in? Is your faith in your faith? Is your faith in your prayer life? Is your faith in how you've lived your life? Or is your faith in the fact that Jesus himself obtained this inheritance? And of course, when he died, he then left us his inheritance to share with him, with everyone who would become one with him. So my ability to share in that inheritance is all about communion. It's all about being one with him. But here's the amazing thing. You know, a lot of people get inheritances and then some family member comes up and contests it. And suddenly, suddenly you get cheated out of the inheritance. Well, what's interesting is when he rose from the dead, he rose and became the advocate that would ensure that the inheritance is always in force and that we absolutely cannot lose it. Listen, I'm telling you, there are so many incredible things about this mystery of the new covenant. We're going to talk about it next week. Cannot wait.